This episode of TMK features a little content warning. We're talking about deeply racist workplace um, experiences that uh, black workers at the Fremont factory have had to deal with over the past decade. Uh, So there are a lot of slurs, a lot of uh, talks of racist imagery, a lot of uh, talking of racist experiences, those are, the, those are the three main things. So vivid descriptions of racial discrimination, uh, use of racial slurs. I say, I say a healthy heaping of uh, slurs in this one. And, uh, and also descriptions of uh, racial harassment. Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 148 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. So you know us, we stay on the labor beat, right? You know, we're always talking about labor issues, labor conditions uh, in the tech sector in particular. We, you know, we went on a long run there. We, we were talking about Amazon, seems like every other week. I mean, that shit ain't died down. It's still happening, but can only spend so much time talking about it. You know, we talked a lot about gig economy, right? Like we talk about labor issues a lot. But there is absolutely one that is really crucial um, in the courts right now, really important. You know, one of our favorite people to hate, but we haven't talked about it. And not a lot, and I haven't really seen a whole lot of people talking about it. hasn't been getting nearly as much attention as, you know, reporting at Amazon or Uber or whatever it gets. That's, of course, Tesla and our good friend Elon Musk, Apartheid Clyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, there was a, a earlier this week, or rather late last week, uh, there was a really long uh, article in the Los Angeles Times reporting on something that's been ongoing for, for a very long time. There, I've been seeing some reporting about it. Like I said, it deserves a lot more attention because it's absolutely insane. I mean, I'll just, the, the, tie, the headline for this article Black Tesla employees describe a culture of racism. Quote, I was at my breaking point. I mean, that, 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 that is a light way to put it. That doesn't even prepare you for the sheer insanity that's happening at Tesla's car factories and particularly calling out the, the Fremont factory and the, the Fremont, California factory where it's just reporting after reporting of uh, endemic systemic like racism at like uh, comical levels, like Confederate levels of mm-hmm. ra- uh, South African apartheid levels of racism. One of the things I do like the most is that Elon Musk will always surprise you, right? He'll always turn out to be worse than you imagined. He's a bigger shit poster than you imagined, but he's worse at it. And he runs the company or he runs part of the workforce like they're coming from Bantustans in, in South Africa. I mean, I think, you know, we'll quote it at length here because the way that the workers describe the racism, I think, tells the story in of itself. But I, I mean, this is a this this is a plant. This is already an unsafe plant, right? It's a plant that has had workplace complaints, has left out hundreds of injuries, has been on the radar for labor violations for a long time, and then it turns out that it's just also segregated um, in terms of workload, in terms of who gets the most dangerous work, who gets the worst work. Uh, the hardest task and where they literally work too, uh, as well as just slurs uh, from morning until night. 
thousands of black workers opened up a class action lawsuit against the factory, right, on February 9th because of how deeply fucking racist uh, Tesla's workplace is inside of the Fremont factory, you know, to a degree that you really, you, like you said, you can't parody unless you're doing like that Spike Lee documentary he did where the Confederacy won. And, uh, you know, like this is a workplace that's in that movie where you get a commercial with, uh, for life insurance or for a security system protecting your family. And there's like a slave out front. Right. And here the workers themselves just des- des- describe themselves as slaves. Uh, you know, great place. This is the guy who's going to get us to Mars. He'll run a less racist slave colony there. Yeah, you know what Mars, the Mars colony is going to look like. Whites only, but it'll be a debtor's slave colony, right? Just like Australia and parts of South Africa. (laughs) That's right. I guess you could take the boy out of apartheid, but you can't take the apartheid out of the boy. No, you can't. It really does seem like, like, you know, we'll go through this, but reading this, you know, my eyes are open and my mouth is agape because it really does seem like it's, it's apartheid as management strategy, right? Like, like it's it, like truly acting like, you know, the way that miners uh, are treated in South Africa and, you know, other parts of Africa, of course, but, you know, uh, we know Elon Musk has, you know, up upfront and personal experiences of like the Emerald Mines in uh, South mm-hmm. Africa. It really seems like he has taken, taken those lessons to heart and been like, you know, all right, that's how I'm going to treat my, uh, my, my factory in, you know, in California. It's just like that. It's, it's absolutely wild. So, you know, as Ed was saying, you know, all of this is everything that we're talking about here is based on the Los Angeles Times reporting, which is itself also based on allegations in a February 9 lawsuit filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing on behalf of more than 4,000 current and former black workers at the world's most valuable car company, the largest racial discrimination suit ever brought by the state by number of workers affected. So just really up clear up you know clear up front that everything here are allegations being brought by these current and former workers, um, you know, all of, you know, all of this is still a class action lawsuit, you know, in progress. Obviously, as we'll go through, right, like Tesla is vehemently denying any of this, you know, when their lawyers do actually respond to requests for uh, comment or materials or documents, not just from the reporters at the LA Times, but also from lawyers representing the class action lawsuit. You know, when they're not uh, stonewalling people, the the lawyers at Tesla are uh, very clear in terms of, you know, they are denying any of this is happening. And in fact, a lot of times they are flipping it around and saying, well, you know, you're bringing this, this complaint to us, but you were actually a bad worker. There were actually complaints made against you, you know, so really, uh, 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 you know, classic tactics here, never accept uh, uh, you know, never accept the accusations, never accept responsibility. And in fact, when you can try to turn around the blame on the accusers, on the victim saying, actually, you're the one at fault here. Not so much saying you were asking for it, but you know, like, Hey, you got fired mm-hmm. for good reason and, and blah, blah, blah. But so I just want to 
legal disclaimer up front, right? These are not allegations we are making. We are merely discussing allegations and reporting that is currently happening. Yeah, you know, and I think Tesla also is a particularly important thing to talk about. I mean, this is stuff that's been being written about, been written about since 2018, 2017, right? You know, right now, Tesla is worth almost a trillion dollars, something short of that. And in California, it it's it's what like close to thirty six thousand, according to the according to the lawsuit uh, that was issued. You know, this is a company that has the the Fremont factory that sits outside of um, San Francisco, and that allegedly has right or it's supposed to be party allegedly to the you know some of the strongest uh, anti-harassment anti-discrimination equal opportunity protections that exist because of california labor law right fremont factory is like an important factory and historically in of itself it is a former general motors um factory uh from the 60s to the 80s right and then the home to gm and then toyota as the lawsuit lays out tesla got it in 2010 remodeled it before the first model ss uh came off the line in 2012 and it's most notably right the only non-union major automotive automotive plant in the country right but since 2018 reporting has made it very clear that you know even though this is a factory where they insist on uh you know, progressive bona fides, right? On how, you know, scrawled inside is, quote, our mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. That's pretty much the only progressive value, if any, that there's any lip service paid to, right? Consistently, we see reports of not only dangerous division of labor and unsafe practices in the in the workplace with insufficient safety lining or, or, or railing or protecting or encouraging workers to work through injuries or pains or encouraging them to work in dangerous situations without adequate safety equipment uh, but also active attempts to hide and 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 uh, fr- from reporting injuries hundreds of injuries have been hidden uh, by Tesla over the past few years off the books um in a bid to make it appear safer than it really is, right? In 2020, uh, Josh Edelson and Dana Hall and Bloomberg reported uh, that, you know, Tesla was trying to be like, look, you know, for years they've been like, look, you don't really have anything to work about, worry about, especially at the Fremont at the Fremont site. Um, but California's OSHA division, you know, hit Tesla with a citation um, saying that since 2015, they've been fabricating some of the locks and insisting that, okay, um, you know, we are 99% accurate on our reporting. We have a minimal, we have some of the lowest levels of uh, workplace injuries when they've hidden them consistently every single year since then, right? And this is, this is part of the management style that comes in with Tesla that we see in other places, right? Skimping on the production and the design of, of the electric vehicles, right? Whether it be in, uh, you know, ridiculous moments that go viral, like um, the doors freezing over and not properly working to uh, 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 proposed features not actually fully working, whether it be, uh, you know, automatic or full safe driving or what is it? What is the f- uh, f- um, full self-driving? Auto- yeah, they've got yeah. autopilot Auto-dri- and mm-hmm. FSD or full self-driving, right. which are uh, two different but right. similarly named and fa- false promised uh, and, software. Yeah, similarly faulty pieces of software and functions. Uh, we see if you go down the list of Tesla's features and its designs and its promises and its workplace, 
a common element in which there's an emphasis on production and bluster, uh, usually used to distract from uh, something worse and sinister and, and, you know, pretty arguably deceptive going on in, in these cases, racism, unsafe workplaces, mm-hmm. technological infeasibility, right? Um, or simply just boredom and uh, on the part of uh, Elon Musk, um, you know, boredom with some project or inability to actually follow through and tell people uh, what's going on. But there is always a consistent way of maneuvering so that, you know, stock, value stays up and so that the bluster translates into the tra- uh, into the you know to the uh, sort of um constant march or you know upwards you know trajectory of the stock and the training of this fan base into like militant soldiers defending it you know that all, all of that just brings us to uh, here we'll, we'll focus on or the the through line is the racism at this workplace which is connected to and a consequence, I think, of you know the core product, the core model of Tesla in a way that's similar to Uber, right? Where Uber, I, I think one way to think of it is you know Uber in of itself had a toxic workplace. It had a workplace that viewed everyone as disposable. It was deeply misogynistic, right? And had little to no accountability whenever people abused the platform or threatened to abuse it to track people to uh, dismiss rape accusations, uh, to try to deter journalists from looking into these things. Why? Because the business model also, in one way or another, required uh, the company look at people as disposable, encouraged uh, the hiring and the advancement of people who viewed people as disposable because they would help develop a business model that could cohere with that and eventually achieve profitability in that framework. Uh, so they helped, right? And so this created a workplace culture and, and, and more fuel for the workplace culture that that viewed people as, as, as not as human and not as worth of dignity. And I think a similar thing is going on here with Tesla. I mean, Tesla is profitable, but Tesla is deeply concerned with pushing and views people as disposable insofar as they're just there to help it get across this or that finishing line, this or that quarter, this or that production um, road a milestone, you know, uh, as opposed to these are people who deserve dignity, protection from discrimination and safe working places. The real thing that matters is Tesla. Yeah. A lot of this is also just grist to the mill as well. You know, Tesla was under fire for a very long time for not meeting demand. You know, they, uh, they were, they, they were not producing cars. In other words, they were, you know, they're the most valuable car company in the world. I mean, more valuable than many of its, uh, top competitors combined. Um, but a lot of that is just like, you know, it's the fictitious capital of financial engineering. And they were under fire for not actually producing cars, uh, not meeting demand, you know. And, and so in response to that, you know, they have spent a lot of time ramping up manufacturing, actually, you know, getting cars off the production line. And so, you know, the, uh, Bloomberg reports that the Fremont factory uh, in, in, you know, Tesla's, uh, Fremont factory is now the most productive auto factory in America. You know, they, they are producing on average, um, 8,550 cars a week. And, uh, you know, its closest competitor is, uh, Toyota Motors, um, Georgetown, Kentucky factory, uh, which produces 8,427 cars a week, right? So they have, ramped up production levels. And this is all pretty recent as well. You know, as Bloomberg writes, in a year when auto production around the world was stifled by supply chain shortages, Tesla expanded its global production by 83%. 
over 2020 levels. Its other auto factory in Shanghai tripled output to nearly 486,000. Uh, you know, and so. In the coming weeks, Tesla is expected to announce the start of production at two new factories, which they call, you know, the Gigafactory Berlin Brandenburg, its first factory in Europe, and the Gigafactory Texas in Austin. What a ridiculous name. I mean, yeah, Gigafactory, <laughs> come on. But it, what, it, what it really shows as well is that Tesla is super focused on actually producing cars now, which is a, a wild <laughs> thing to say to be like, we become a trillion dollar car company, the most valuable car company ever to exist. And now, now we're turning our focus to producing cars. I mean, all right, all right. But it seems like you know, th that that obviously comes at a price. I mean, we see this anytime a, ex especially it sounds like a tech first company, you know, a company that sees itself as a, as a technology oriented corporation that's operating in some space, whether it's logistics or cars or whatever, you know, ride sharing, whatever it is, whenever a tech first company starts orienting itself towards, um, you know, hyper production, that always comes at the sake of labor conditions, right? That always comes by throwing workers into the, into the machinery, using their blood to grease the wheels. Uh, and, and I mean, this is what we see exactly happening. It sounds like at Tesla, just with the added uh, you know, the, the, the added seasoning of vehement racism on top of it. So, you know, there's reports of Tesla workers at the Fremont factory having to work mandatory 12 hour shifts, six or seven days a week. The one woman reports having worked for three months without a day off. This is how that those levels of, of production are happening at the factory is through mandating this kind of extreme working conditions, these kinds of days of 12-hour days, six, seven days a week, sometimes months without a day off. What that sounds like to me as well is, I don't have an answer to this, and it's worth looking into. At similar factories like the Toyota factory, uh, you know, Ford factories, uh, BMW's factories that are producing similar numbers of cars a week, are the labor conditions the same? Are safety conditions the same? Are people working three months without a day off? Are they working 12-hour mandatory shifts? Do they have a union? You know, whereas we know Tesla is anti-union. I would venture to say, you know, yeah, I'm sure labor conditions at these other car companies are, are awful and they, there's ways that they should be and can be a lot further improved. But it also sounds like Tesla is having to rely on brutal exploitative labor conditions just to match what's happening at these other car companies, right? In other words, it sounds a lot like uh, they're focusing on on absolute surplus value over relative surplus value, to put it in Marxist terms, right? Not in the sense of like getting more productive work out of people per labor hour spent, but just increasing the workday, making them put more labor hours into the workday um, as a way of just, you know, it's constant grind set mindset at Tesla.
we can detail some of the claims that are laid out by the LA Times and then also in the lawsuit uh, that these three uh, former uh, Tesla employees, these black employees, um, are part of the 4,000 person lawsuit of black workers in the state of California against Tesla, right? So, in general, they've talked about the segregation being so deep that they, in general, call where they work the plantation. One worker, um, uh, Monica Chatham, who was a single mother working two jobs as a grocery store stalker and a FedEx driver, got a job in Tesla in 2016, where they were they were handing off to her mandatory 12 hour shifts, yeah, uh, usually six to seven days of a week of working, uh, which she you know did uh, at one point for three months on, uh, without a, a single day off. Right, uh, she was driving a cart. She's driving a forklift on night shifts. She was hauling parts to the assembly line, um, and the, and and she talks a bit about and the lawsuit you know goes into a little bit more detail about this about how the hardest tasks, the most laborious, the most labor intensive tasks were thrown off to African American workers. Black workers were given the hardest work. Uh, she described it as modern day slavery, where they were all crabs in a in the barrel. And talks about an experience with her first supervisor, a white woman who uh, transferred four South Asian men, uh, um, the LA Times writes, to a different route after they had worked as a team hoisting half shafts, carpets, and brake lines. Uh, the supervisor told Chatham to take over. I was a skinny 115 pounds, Chatham recalled. I said, you're telling me to do a job, a four-man job by myself? Her words were, do the job or lose your job. So at one point, her blood pressure drops, she faints, she's sitting at a medical center, she f still feels weak, they ask her to go home to recuperate, but instead they threaten you know, to fire her if she tries to go home, and she continues to work. People regularly called nigger over there. Um, from the lawsuit and from the three workers here, they all talk about how white workers, Latino workers, supervisors, all casually refer to them that way, right? She, she says uh, it was the norm, it was Tesla's tradition. Now, the only group that didn't were Asian workers, but they would still make, you know, stereotypes about chicken, about fried chicken. And that she, you know, this goes on talking about how they would, you know, degrade her or in a, in a racist way, mock her in a racist way, talk about a race, uh, you know, with prejudice. And that this goes on and on and on, right? Uh, they weren't able to get a hold of the lead and, so, and the supervisor that are mentioned in this story. Uh, Chatham goes on to explain that she filed a racial harassment uh, suit with uh, Tesla's Human Resources Department with one Rose Shannon Sanson, and throughout the meetings with HR, complained about job discrimination, talked about segregation uh, and the plantation, um, and how they were you know they segregated to the worst parts, the most inhospitable parts of the factory because they were being black. But at the same time, also, even though they were expected to do the most rigorous work and the most necessary work at times, uh, they were not allowed, you know, when, for example, Elon Musk would come through, there were no black faces allowed, that black workers were moved to the back, you know. So, you know, like Jeremy said, you can't take the apartheid out of the boy. Um, she didn't get routine performance reviews. She didn't get raises. She didn't get uh, promotions. She ended up training the workers who would get promoted over her. And then in September 2019, a sprinkler head hit, uh, hit her when she was driving down an aisle. That shut down an assembly line for 15 minutes, and she was fired. But as the LA Times points out, right, another driver kept his job even though he, he drove into five sprinklers, and that this even though that this caused a flood that lasted for hours. 
And so in a statement to the LA Times, Tesla said that the termination stemmed from a serious safety violation and denied that she ever was forced to work for three months without a day off and that she received reviews as well as monetary performance awards. Um, And has, you know, I think also another thing which is interesting is I don't, you know, Tesla didn't offer anything up in any of this, right? Of course, nor would it. I mean, this is similar to the lawsuit that they're facing or similar to the lawsuit that they lost, right? Where a federal jury awarded a worker $137 million. Why did they award the worker $137 million? So the plaintiff, Owen Diaz, worked in a Fremont factory uh, from about 2015 to 2016. Uh, he said that the uh, supervisors regularly called him racial slurs. Uh, then he, you know, the the New York Times profiled him in 2018, and it was um, a look, a preview, a sneak peek into how racist the factory was. It opens up with a story about him seeing swastikas in the bathroom, right? Racist taunts in the factory where they go, hey, boy, come here, nigger, come here. You know, like, this is... Deep, like this sort of stuff does not happen idly for years, right? We're getting reports of this going on in 2018, 2017, 2016, 20, you know, 2015, 2014, on and on and on, right? Drawings of bales on cardboard with an oversized mouth, big eyes, a bone stuck in that patch of hair scribbled over a long face with boo written underneath. Um, and anytime complaints are made, then workers get fired, right? They, the New York Times, in that story where they talked with Diaz, talked with two dozen current and former Tesla employees and contractors who talked about a huge number of race of racist concerns or racist uh, you know, experiences that they had um, uh, at the Fremont factory. Right, threats by coworkers, demeaning assignments, blocking from promotion. Multiple lawsuits spun out by former workers because Tesla was turning a blind eye to racism instead of doing anything about it, even lifting a finger against it. This is more or less the norm that is established with the lawsuit, right? The lawsuit is pretty explicit in talking about, you know, it steps back and looks at some of the demographics, you know, that the black workers at the factory are expected, of course, to do the, the, the most intense labor. They got about 0% of the executives, 3% of the professionals at the Fremont plant, and then 20% of the operatives who are working the engines, assembling the machines, right? And then they're off also overrepresented in the contract workforce, right? But underrepresented as uh, officials, managers, executives, senior officials, other types of managerial administrative positions, right? Also goes on the right. Segregation at the Fremont factory, along with the absence of black and or African-Americans in leadership roles, has left many complaints of rampant racism unchecked for years. As early as 2012, which is about three years after the factory was bought from GM when they went into bankruptcy, um, black and or African-American Tesla workers have complained that Tesla production leads, supervisors, and managers constantly use the N-word and other racial slurs to refer to black Black workers. They have complained that swastikas, KKK, the N-word, and other racist writing are etched onto the walls of restrooms, restroom stalls, lunch tables, and even factory machinery. They have complained that black and or African-American workers are assigned to more physically demanding 
uh, posts in the lowest level contract roles paid less and more often terminated from employment than other workers. They've also complained that black and or African American workers often denied advancement opportunities and more often and more severely disciplined than non-black workers. And more significantly, these numerous complaints by black and or African American workers about racial harassment, racial discrimination, and retaliation lodged over a span of almost a decade have been futile. For example, defendants turned and continue to turn a blind eye to years of complaints from black workers who protest the commonplace use of racial slurs on the assembly line. Tesla was and continues to be slow to clean up racist graffiti with swastikas and other hate symbols scrawled in common areas. Even after years of complaints, Tesla's continue to deflect and evade responsibility. When it, while it claims to not tolerate racial harassment or discrimination at its factories, Tesla's investigations of complaints are not in compliance with the law. It limits investigations of incidents in its workplace to direct employees. Tesla also argued that staffing agencies that it contracts with are expected to train contractors on Tesla's anti-harassment and anti-discrimination policies and to investigate allegations of racial harassment when staffing agency workers were involved. Tesla CEO, Mr. Musk, has advised that Tesla workers should be thick-skinned about race harassment. Beautiful, right? Which, of course, <laughs> it's unbelievable. the 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 degree to this is unbelievable. I mean, the one of, one of the workers in describing the the just rampant and common racism said, you know, quote, "It was the norm. It it was Tesla tradition." The way in which the N word is just thrown around here in the same way that you would you would say like, you know, "Hey, dude" or "Hey, man." You know, the way that they would just be like, "Hey, N word." Um, the, the way it's just casually thrown away around, and we should emphasize that it's done so, um, as this reporting does, in both English and Spanish by both white and Latino workers. So it's not only just a, a, a white against all um, uh, policy, it really is an all against black um, racist you know, culture and tradition uh, in, in this workplace. The Everything you've just described about like, you know, routinely having to clean and scrub and remove not even cleaning and scrubbing yeah not even cleaning and sit there being like well you know it the 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 swastikas and racial slurs they just stack up faster than we can clean them so you know like if the swastika pops up why would you not immediately drop everything you're doing and get rid of it and figure (laughs) out who put it up yeah, find the person. It, it it is absolutely insane. I it it really does baffle the mind. I truly cannot comprehend what like how this kind of culture started. Also, I really truly cannot comprehend why even hire black workers to begin with. Right? It's yeah. like there's so clear just like animosity, hatred, explicit explicit hatred segregation right as you talked about right like uh, black work is not only being called the n-word but being called monkeys or being called boy uh you know the black workers themselves describing it as the plantation or the slave ship right why even hire these people uh, uh you know of a race that that you clearly find to be you know subservient abhorrent inferior in every way it, it really does just breed this kind of like 
like they do it because they want to express that hatred, right? They want to have somebody around that they can kick, that they can ex- that they can make uh, their life miserable. You know, we also see stories around like you know one uh, another worker uh, in the L.A. Times piece, Kimberly Rombie. You know, she mentioned that you know she got hired on again. Also talking about the mandatory overtime, twelve-hour shifts, six or seven days a week, and was and sec within weeks, she said two young Latino co- co-workers began harassing her with homophobic slurs after she mentioned she had a wife. Rombi then goes on to talk about how during quote during downtime at the factory, when parts or trucks were delayed and line work slowed, only black workers were ordered to do general cleaning. Rombi said, getting on their hands and knees to scrub floors and wipe beneath shelves while white and latino employees were allowed to take rest breaks you know and she also talks about black workers being given the most arduous jobs such as installing dashboards Again, also being berated constantly for being, you know, uh, as she as she puts it, um, you know, Rombi would overhear supervisors say, "quote them in words over there, they're lazy, right?" Like it's just constant stuff like that. So it, it, it it's almost this kind of like, well, you know, one instance of racism that that all right that that's that you know that's a mistake. We got we got to wipe that out. But just rampant systemic racism. Well, that's the culture, baby, and you just got to deal with it. There's just some people that like to see how far they can push somebody's buttons racially like that. And what happens is people see one person doing, so other people start doing it when they realize there's no repercussions, there's no punishment for it. And it, you know, it brings out something that probably is already in those people, but it's a, one of those situations they feel empowered to do it when someone does something like that and nothing's done. Um, also on the other side of that, I mean, I imagine how many folks, how many black folks want to go work at Tesla because they, you know, maybe they at, at, at one time or another admired Elon Musk. I mean, he's got like a flock of sycophants that follow or like wait on his every breath. So I, it wouldn't be surprising that, that that demographic is a lot wider than we think it is only to be, you know, go to work at Tesla and find out that you're treated just like probably mine workers were treated by his family in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, well, we see this as well, right? Where, you know, it's also that point of, you know, this is a really bad economy. And, you know, you get a job at an automotive factory. And for, you know, the, the, the American tradition is that is the... That is the paragon of a blue collar job that you can support a family on. You know, that that's that's the you know, that's the Detroit dream right there. And so absolutely cannot blame people for wanting to work at Tesla. You know, they get paid better, right? There than than the jobs they might already have. There are also people absolutely talking about how like you know, I wanted to build the future. You know, I wanted to be involved in building yeah. what I thought was the future. I wanted to be involved as Kimberly Rombie is talking about. You know, I wanted a clean energy technology job. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted something that I thought was going to actually be, you know, supporting me and my family while also making the world a better place. And instead, what they find is uh, an, a, a, a pocket of society where the South won. I'm I'm speechless because it's so it's so baffling to me. It's so outrageous that it exists. I mean, the only, honestly, the only thing I can relate it to uh, in in both the 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 culture of extreme um, racism, but also a really tightly nicked 
organization. And this gets to your point as well, Jeremy, where you know people feel empowered because everybody else is doing it, and you pick out one group to to uh, you know direct all your hatred at it. It reminds me of the police. You know, this is the same culture within police departments of rampant racism, of throwing around racial slurs like it's just common everyday language. And then when uh, uh, complaints are made, when you go to HR, when you go up the ladder, when you do what you're supposed to do in those instances, then people get punished for it. They get terminated. They get blackballed. They get and, and they get more abuse heaped on top of them. Why? Because they broke the thin blue line, you know, but it's the same exact thing happening at Tesla. It's the same kind of organization, the same kind of people and the same kind of, of, of mindset. You know, and I'm, I, one thing I think that also you, we see continually popping up, right? I mean, there are a lot of questions that also emerge, you know, this mindset feels pervasive, but it's also, I just, I don't understand why in a lot of these instances, you know, I, under, or I, or to step back, a lot of companies in Silicon Valley or a lot of companies around San Francisco have racist workplaces or workplaces where there are, there's racism that the workers are going to have to do. They just deal with or in Seattle, right. Or at any place in any, you know, in anywhere in this fucking country. But we get accounts of these and they definitely feel you know, of course, the stories overlap or are similar. People saying the N word multiple times, people blocking from promotion, but they never feel as systemic. Or a lot of the times, they don't feel systemic as with Tesla. There's usually never, I've not really read a story where some tech company just said, okay, we're going to segregate y'all here, where it's, or that place is called the slave ship, where it's called the plantation, where it literally also has no air conditioning and where it is much more crowded than other parts of the workplace, right? Those sorts of things usually aren't so consciously designed or don't present in a way which feels as consciously, consciously designed. And so also sometimes I also wonder where it's like how much of it ends up, you know, you can't figure we probably won't know but how much of it is truly just like a mindset and then how much of it is like you know fish rotting from its head and um and a lot of the administrators and uh being attracted to that workplace or for one reason or other and ending up just being deeply racist assholes who think that segregation is a good way to get the monkeys off to one side and and have them work in a way that sustains the factory but um to then lie and and provide cover for these people in other parts of the company so that the company doesn't get scrutiny even though it eventually does no matter what because there's still because there's still such deep racism going on at the factory i don't know all of it in of itself doesn't make too much sense why they why it, they would not simply clean house with the racists you know but of course then again why not? I mean, like, as we talked about, right, they don't really have to. They've been doing this since this has been the case since 2012. Nothing has really happened. Tesla is worth almost a trillion dollars, despite the fact that one of its core factories is deep, is just like a cesspool, um, just like a fucking uh, a living monument to Elon Musk's childhood. Um, so what's what comes of it? I'm hoping that the lawsuit at least opens up a chance to do serious damage um, and extract some damage, uh, some, you know, punitive damages from, from Tesla. Right. But this is also a situation where it's like, you, what do you do? And like legally they've already have pretty strong 
workplace protections in the state of California, and this, and this company doesn't really give a fuck about them. Um, and the company has enough money to kind of insulate itself from the consequences of actions. You know, what do you do in a situation like that where it's just like, hey, we decided we we're going to make this workplace run like a Bantu stand and there's not really much anyone else can do about it. It's not even clear to me that uh, Tesla's share price has taken a hit at all no, from no. this class action lawsuit and from these allegations, which, as you said, you know, have been going on for 10 years now and are just, you know, getting back in the news again because of this massive class action lawsuit, uh, you know, representing 4,000 current and former black workers at, at Tesla, you know, and getting a lot of, you know, like long stories in the LA Times. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not even clear that that has at all um, tarnished uh, the, you know, Tesla's image, let alone their share price, which, you know, those two things are intimately linked together, right? Um, Tesla's share price is intimately linked to uh, Elon Musk and intimately linked linked to uh, Tesla's reputation. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. It's absolutely not linked to the uh, to the power of the technology. Uh, you know, from everything we know, from all reporting, uh, the technology itself fucking sucks. You know, uh, the the cars are awful. Um, you know, both in terms of of being electric vehicles, but also in terms of being you know high tech software first vehicles. Um, they and and they are designed as well uh, to uh, essentially you know show you know just as Tesla doesn't show any respect for its workers, nor does it show any respect for its consumers, right? Like Tesla is constantly doing things that make its cars unusable or make its cars have premium services that you have to pay extra on in addition to buying the car oh you didn't you need to subscribe to this feature or that feature that's an extra you know five thousand dollars here ten thousand dollars there for features that you thought were part of the vehicle uh, as it as it was built um, but it's that software oriented model that software as a service model of the car yeah i mean it, it all just shows that like from top to bottom from production to consumption, Tesla is, uh, it's not just a fish that's rotting from the head. It's a fish that is, that has, that is sitting out rotting and has been for, for a very long time, but people continue to be like, this is the most valuable rotten fish in the world. I mean, this, this piece, this piece of fish is going to take us to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Let me, I'm going to keep reading a little bit from, um, yeah. from this lawsuit y'all, because it's, uh, it's a bit, ins I mean, well, you know, we're being a dead horse here, but, but you know, I, I still think it's uh, it's interesting what um, what uh, one of the um, I don't know how to describe it. One of the ventures of uh, of our future Martian overlord is uh, like to work at. Uh, there's a racial harassment section. There's a racial discrimination system or, or uh, section, and there's a retaliation section. I'll start with the uh, with the um, harassment and then skip a little bit through, right? Because I think you'll get the you'll, you get a sense of it, right? So the lawsuit reads: Throughout the day, every day, black, and I'll just shorten it from black to say black and or African American, black workers, her defendants, workers, leads, supervisors, and managers make racial slurs and comments about black workers. Example of the racist language include the N word, porch monkey, monkey toes, boy, hood rats, and horse hair. I have not heard people say these things except these are some artisanal slurs. 
except out of like someone uh, out of a bit making fun of race of racist of like old time racist. I, I will say as a product of Mississippi in the eighties, I've unfortunately have heard many of these. That, right. well, that's you know, what I've, it is. I've, these I've, are retro slurs. Like yeah. these are straight <laughs> out of like, like the you know, Mississippi is burning type shit. Right. Listen, to go forward, we have to go back. Defendant workers, including production leads and supervisors made references to black, in, uh, to blacks in uh, racist comments and racist jokes, such as nigger, get out of the hood. Nigga word out of the hood from the ghetto. Tesla was hiring lazy coons and go back to Africa because the factory is racially segregated. Defendants workers referred to areas where many black uh, workers worked as the porch monkey station. Defendants workers with tattoos of the Confederate flag. (laughs) (laughs) The Confederate flag folks made their racially incendiary tattoos visible to intimidate black workers. Racial slurs were also dispensed in Spanish and included Mayate and Negrita. Additionally, defendants workers referred to Tesla factory as the slave ship or the plantation where defendants production leads cracked the whip. Many black workers understood these terms to be references to how defendants treated its black workers. One black worker heard these slurs as often as 50 to 100 times a day. These black workers also had racial slurs directed at them. These workers were subjected to defendant production associates, leads, and supervisors directly calling them the N-word throughout the day. One worker heard defendant production associates and leads tell her to shut the fuck up, nigger, and all blacks look alike. Another black worker reported that at least two defendants workers mocked him for eating watermelon during lunch. They accused him of being lazy, saying you're eating watermelon. That's why you're lazy. These co-workers also speculated about his genitals and referred to him as Mandingo or Big Black Guy. Another worker heard defendants production lead and production associate crack racist jokes loud enough for others to hear. When he raised the jokes with them, the production associate slapped his shoulder and said it was just a joke. When another black worker protested to being called a racial slur and asked defendants production associates, leads, and supervisor to refer to him by his name, they reported, this nigger is crazy or this nigger is tripping. They called him a snitch for complaining. Notably, defendants' leads, supervisors, and managers were active participants and are uh, witnesses to these racist comments. Black workers reported that defendants' leads and supervisors on the production line often said, that stupid nigger over there, or that fucking nigger, I can't stand them. Regarding a group of black production associates, defendants' supervisors said there were too many of them in there. They are not Tesla material. Defendant supervisors complained about where black and or black workers were assigned saying monkeys work outside and monkeys need a coat in cold weather. A supervisor pointedly asked one African-American worker, do most Africans have bones through their noses? Another African-American worker reported that a group of defendants production leads often laughed at her whenever she walked by them. These leads muttered nigger or shut up nigger to her at first. When she started getting awards for her work performance, these leads openly called her racial slurs. On a daily basis, black workers were confronted with racist rioting while working at Tesla. They saw racist graffiti, including nigger, KKK, swastikas, the Confederate flag, white supremacist skull, go black to Africa, Mayade, written on restroom walls, restroom stalls, lockers, workplace benches, workstations, lunch tables, and the break room. These slurs were even etched into the defendant's machinery. One black worker observed hang nigger penned next to a drawing of a noose in the break room restroom. This worker also saw all monkeys work outside and fuck 
niggas on the break room wall. These racial slurs and racial comments apparent to all who walked by were left up for months without defendants bothering to remove them. The common narrative was black workers being taunted by racial slurs and then baited into verbal and physical confrontations where they, in turn, were the ones disciplined for being purportedly aggressive or threatening. These written warnings in the personnel files had consequences for later promotional and professional opportunities. Some black workers even resigned during investigations because they did not have confidence that defendants' human resources department would be fair and unbiased. And then this led to discrimination in their assignment, their compensation, their discipline, their promotion, their termination, a constructive discharge. They were assigned to the most physically demanding posts in the Tesla factories compared to the black non-black workers who were given more technical and less physical jobs. Um, one worker witnessed only black workers cleaning the factory floor on their hands or knees. No other groups of workers had to do the same. Another worker heard defendants complain about the heavy workload and said how they needed to get some blacks on this line, suggesting that black workers can and should be doing the difficult menial jobs. One black worker started as a production lead when he came through to the staffing agency, but after he introduced himself to his white manager, he was demoted on the same day to a production associate. The supervisor told him that the defendant's manager thought he was better suited in the more labor-intensive position. And so this goes on and on, you know, that defendants argue are also more frequently subjected black workers to more severe treatment and disciplined than non-black workers. They were written up or fired for minor offenses and infractions, as we talked about earlier. One was fired for being late. Um, another was constantly intimidated by his uh, supervisor who stared him down and used aggressive tone with him. When safety issues were reported, they were ignored or uh, disbelief or met with disbelief. Um, they were given unjustified negative performance reviews. Uh, they were uh, prevented from being promoted. They were written up constantly or they were written up for being aggressive while the uh, managers were being aggressive towards them. And then in retaliation, when people complained, when people um, complained about harassment, about the defendant leads, the supervisors, the managers, the staffing, uh, to staffing, uh, to every, to all of these people, the staffing agency representatives and HR, and complained about the pervasive use of the N word and other racial slurs, the racist graffiti in the shared spaces, the racially segregated work areas, the more strenuous physical assignments, the more dangerous work conditions, and the refusal of management to ro rotate them or promote them, or give them compensation. Or when they spoke out about the racist comments, or when they spoke out about the verbal and the physical retaliation, uh, they were the ones who were subject to discipline, or they were the ones who were harshly disciplined, or they were the ones that were retaliated against, right? Even when they were given unjustified negative reviews, over scrutiny, so on and so forth. Retaliation were usually denial of bonuses, uh, bonuses, uh, promotions. Uh, they were they were false accusations made. Kimberly Rombley talks about how one time they said that when she took leave, when she took medical leave for a month, um, that hours before she learned that she was not going to get paid for it because they said she was under investigation. What was she under investigation for? They said that she was being aggressive and threatening someone on the day shift. Okay, but there's one problem with that. She worked the night shift, right? So they just made that up. Um, in the uh, according to the accusations of the lawsuit right um and this is in line with what you know, we keep seeing like they, they go to hr they complain they give advance notice of the complaints right there's an investigation or if an investigation happens usually it's ignored usually it's not believed or uh, diminished or people are told to develop a thick skin when there's an investigation it's incredibly narrow right and often 
tends to absolve the harassers, right? In one instance, one black worker said that immediately after she complained about race harassment, defendant's human resources official texted her harasser, who was also her supervisor, about the complaint against him. And then the supervisor then retaliated against the worker, accosting her, writing her up, and then calling security on her for being purportedly belligerent. So even after black workers were transferred to a different area, retaliation by defendant's management still persisted because management had the ability to simply walk over to the new post and keep harassing you. So as you can see, uh, probably one of the best places to work in the world it also didn't help that just like with the labor practices, um, Tesla was cooking the books on keeping records, right? Tesla failed to produce and keep to keep and produce uh, for the regulators complete and accurate records about the complaints and about um, uh, complaint investigations that they did themselves. Uh, the defendant's failure to maintain and produce the records despite being required to preserve and produce this information is a legal violation and part of the lawsuit and this as well. And, and there would be instances where they simply didn't maintain them or they simply didn't have them or where they refused to provide them, right? When they refused to provide records such as the hiring records or the app of the application records, personnel records related to compensation, even though claiming they adequately compensated people, uh, assignment uh, documents so showing where they were assigned, uh, workers were assigned, promotion decisions, complaints, and inf investigation uh, information. Right, all of this um, paints a pretty damning picture in of itself. I think the article does it as well, but the lawsuit is a little bit more forceful and goes at length with its lang language in a way that I understand why they couldn't in the article. There's so much here. And what it also really shows as well and it proves is that HR, HR is not there to protect the interests of the workers. HR is always there to protect the interest of the company. And so when something like this is systemic, when it's part of the DNA of the company, then they then HR is in a position of protecting that culture, right? We only ever see this happen when the when it's not part of the culture, when it is a you know, when it is a bad apple or just an anomalous case. And then HR can take a stand and say, we don't agree with discrimination in any form. And so, you know, we will take a stand to protect this worker uh, against any discrimination that they're experiencing. But when it's the case that this kind of discrimination is common, it's every day. It's systemic. It's in the G, G, uh, the DNA. It's part of the culture. HR is in is instead in the position of saying, "Well, uh, we don't have records of that. Sorry." Or you know, it it, it, it shows again. That HR is never uh, HR is never a replacement for a union. HR is never a replacement for uh, for for uh, labor laws and regulation. HR is never a replacement for any of these things. HR is a bureaucratic tool to defend the company's interest. And right now, the company's interests are uh, allowing this. Uh, abhorrent culture to continue because ripping it out would require uh, tearing down the company. Like that's what it really comes down to, right? There's just simply no way uh, to 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 eliminate 
this kind of uh, just just blatant uh, racism without eliminating what makes Tesla Tesla. Right. It's so it's so deeply ingrained in the culture. It's also, you know, it sounds maybe sho- like shocking. I mean, it is shocking, but it, it maybe sounds especially shocking because it's like, oh, this is California. You know, they, this is this is SoCal, baby. It's, you know, Fremont. It's right outside of San Francisco. Like, how could there be uh, people with Confederate flag tattoos and carving swastikas and stuff? Uh, you know, what we don't I think a lot of people don't realize is that. Uh, Southern California and the Inland Empire is a hotbed and has for a very long time been one for uh, really radical right-wing um, communities. The California was an outpost and a supporter of the Confederacy. I mean, California, Southern California was and still is to a degree, um, you know, riddled with Confederate monuments and statues it, as if it were, you know, Mississippi or Alabama, Louisiana or any of these other places where we're like, oh, that's the only place where this stuff happens. No, no, Southern California is Southern in that same exact way. Uh, and and what, what has happened is they have found, uh, these people have found another, another organization, another company where they can work and express those views without any uh, fear of reprisal. And in fact, they get uh, defended by the company for doing it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they go out of their way to like recruit people to work at those places that have those backgrounds. Living in Mississippi and then later living in Northern California as a teenager, I had more people try to recruit me to join uh, right-wing, you know, fucking Nazi groups just on the basis of my skin without even talking to me. They were that hard up to just recruit and like retain groups of people. So, and then there were businesses that would hire specifically those groups of people. And if there were someone else who didn't fit that demographic, they were harassed on a daily basis. Yeah. And I mean, we see this as well, where it's, you know, it's the supervisors, it's the managers who are uh, perpetuating the, the, you know, some of the most extreme instances of this behavior, the same exact people who are, I'm sure, in charge of hiring decisions, right? So, you know, they, they will reproduce that ideology and that uh, that white supremacist culture within the company um, while also hiring people that they see as inferior so that they can then treat them as slaves. Uh, and, you know, it, it's as simple as that. And it'll work. I mean, it will work. They've really done it. I mean, I, I mean, I think it'll work in the sense that until the lawsuit goes through and maybe we can see what minimal changes that the lawsuit will go through, like you said, um, you can't really get rid of it without uprooting it, right? Because at this point, it just sounds like and feels like they've hired and ingratiated and integrated a lot of really deeply racist people, practices, culture, uh, techniques, policies that pr- protect and privilege the ability of people to be deeply racist and to organize the workplace in a worse, racist way because that's one way of them getting the sort of production that they need. Right. Which is just we can divide the labor in such a way where we're also racist and it doesn't really hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't actually do any have any real negative consequence for them to be racist in their own workplace. Because, like you said, the conditions are such that they're happy to have those jobs. A lot of time they're preying on people who need those jobs. It's a job that doesn't, you know, a lot of the jobs, even the technical ones, don't require technical backgrounds. They're foot in the door into tech. 
A lot of people who are interested in having a career in tech or interested in getting a job that might be better working conditions or associated with better working conditions in their mind before they learn about it because it's with Tesla, with this massive company that's making electric vehicles that are safer than the competition. There are a lot of reasons for someone to come in and be willing at first to, to endure the racism as a lot of these people, a lot of these defendants did for one year, two years, three years, thinking it will get better and that you'd, all you have to do is get out. Well, there's no real cost to Tesla internally because it seems like they have plenty of racists. They have no black, uh, they have little to no black professionals and they have no black executives. So it's not like how they treat these people is really going to scare off any additional black workers, right? And, and if anything, it'll embolden and protect, you know, the racist apartheid managers, uh, that they've brought on and kept on. And, and all the financiers and investors see is... It could give less uh, a fuck. Couldn't give less a fuck because all they see is higher production numbers, mm -hmm. right? And so then they're like, okay, that's fine. Don't tell me how you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know. All I want to know is that number goes up, you know? And and that and it, it's not only that Tesla's you know not worried about this because they're not suffering any harm from from this racism and uh you know but but they're if anything they're they're benefiting from it right they are benefiting from uh this culture of you know long hours of arduous work of taking advantage and preying on people who need these jobs and want these jobs for one reason or another. What you said about being like, you know, of just toughing it out. I mean, like this is normal. Uh, it, it really shows in, in, you know, another person that the LA Times talks to, a former black uh, employee at Tesla, Nigel Jones, um, talks about how experiencing all of this uh, racial, uh, ra you know, racist, white supremacist animosity that we have been describing. And then, you know, uh, w was just kind of putting up with it, right? Like thinking, oh, th this is just normal, right? And hey, I've got, I've got a job and I'm, I'm moving up, you know, I'm a fleet manager now. And, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some promotions happening. Uh, and then, you know, uh, LA Times talks about how, he like, you know, mentioned some of this to his mom uh, and the LA Times quotes her and she says, you know, quote, I had to explain to Nigel that for a manager to call you the N word, that's not normal. Right. And then it was her that contacted a lawyer. And then uh, Nigel, her son, became part of this class action lawsuit. So, you know, it, it's really that kind of idea of like, well, this is just normal. You know, hey, this is just the cost of being black in America uh, and trying to, you know, move up and, and, and make some money and do some good in the world. Um, and, you know, really having to have, you know, a family member, you know, his mom be like, that's not normal. And that's not something that you should have to put up with at all. You really don't. You don't. You it's like the share zone says, you know, if you you can always just log the fuck off, you can always leave. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, in some cases you can't. Sometimes some of these workers couldn't. Most of the time you can leave. And I would wager should leave if, you, um, if you're in a racist workplace. But or Ed, sabotage it. Or sabotage it. Or, yeah, or sabotage or, it. Yeah, yeah. Where's the sabotage? Maybe that's why <laughs> Tesla's cars are so yeah. shitty. Maybe they need to sabotage. Yeah, maybe we're like, happening. fuck you. Maybe, uh, maybe there is a cost to being deeply racist and running... Um, what multiple black workers call a slave ship in a plantation inside of your major factory.
Yeah. I mean, we talk constantly about how like racist bias is, you know, replicated in the design of, of, you know, these algorithms and machine learning and artificial intelligence and all that. And here we have, you know, uh, a tech oriented car, car manufacturer that's just, you know, go, you know, bending over backwards to do the same exact thing, being like, Hey, we want to do that too. We can't just mm-hmm. leave it to Google uh, or Amazon <laughs> or whatever. We want to do that too. Uh, you know, but, th- but yeah, this is the American dream. You know, you, 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 you got your lunch pill and you clock in at the racism factory uh, and you do a hard day's work and you bring home the bacon and support your family. You know, that's the American dream. And what is Tesla but the most valuable racism factory in the world? You know, they are producing racism of a like that we haven't seen um, in a very long time. <laughs> and that's what puts them head above the, the competition, head and shoulders above. They're spending a lot of money on R&D. <laughs> A lot of money on R and D over there. Yeah, racism and discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my mind. I'm like, what? What, what could? What's the D gonna be for racism? What's the D gonna be for racism? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I think on that uh, somewhat uh, on, on that on that light note, right. a really tough a really tough uh, story here. But you know, one that I mean, this is one to watch. Um, absolutely, I, I'm I'm very invested in what the outcome of this of this lawsuit is, and it you know, it's really it's an aspect of Tesla. Tesla is constantly coming in for criticism by people like us, you know. But this is an a- aspect of it that has largely been overlooked, you know, and, and instead, you know, it's a lot of technological criticism, a lot of financial criticism, but it, it obviously the problems here run so much deeper uh, and, 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 you know, with so much more hate at their heart. Um, and so this is definitely one, uh, one for us to continue watching a story I'm invested in the outcome of. Uh, uh, I think that's. I think that'll do it for this episode, Team K. Uh, 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 a hard episode in a lot of ways, but a necessary one. So, um, thank you all for listening. Uh, and you can find us at Patreon.com/slash/ThisMachineKills for more episodes. We are continuing our book club, um, going chapter by chapter through the dawn of everything by. David Graeber and David Wingrow. And so we'll have a new chapter or a new episode on chapter five coming out this weekend. Um, and as always, more to come over there and over here. So until then, see ya. Adios. What did that podcast host say the N word like multiple times throughout that episode? I hope anyone listening knows. If someone doesn't know, let them try to be mad, and then they'll look like. All right, I like that. Let them find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they can find out. Yeah, the guy with the black baby avatar is not black. It's blackface. Um, It's like so many sock puppets online. We don't know if you're white. Yeah, on the internet, no one knows if you're black. Right, <laughs> you can't tell, especially my username is Big Black Jacobin. 
<laughs> Could you imagine if I was if some white dude? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there probably is, man. No one ever calls me out on it. <laughs> we, we just keep your secret. We we like hold everybody to like secrecy when they come on the podcast. And You're right. like, what? Wait, what? Ed's a white man? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you put it on the, uh, the the sorry to bother you voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This machine killed.